are my blues and gone are my tears. I've got good news to shout in your ears. The long lost dollar has come back to the fold. With silver you can turn your dreams to gold. We're in the money. We're in the money. Hello, one. Hello, all. Welcome to the July 26th through 28th edition of Show Business. As always, I am CP. And I am somehow still Lindsay. Not quite sure how. Over at My Two Cents of Nonsense. How's it going? And Jaime Enfuego from Enfuegotainment and uh, more so at least subscribership the horror show. Nice. <laughs> um, so, quickly to the week that was. Uh, the Lion King held held first with 77 million. Once upon Boom. a time in Hollywood, the the newcomer, the Tarantino newcomer, uh, broke second with 41 million. I forgot to fix the total gross there to the right because how how would it have 41 on the left and 40? It, it lost money total somehow. Uh, it's a graphic error. Um, third Tar- was Tarantino stole from his own movie and just pocketed <laughs> it. So. <laughs> Can't say I put it past him. <laughs> Bunch of refund, refunds. Uh, the third was Spider-Man: Far From Home with twelve million. Fourth was Toy Story Four with ten million, and fifth was Crawl with four million. Um, so what? Forty-one million uh, is the best uh, opening. Weekend for a Tarantino film. It used to be Inglorious Bastards at 38, but now it is 41 million. Uh, we talked about this last week. Tarantino movies normally they don't they don't hit very hard, uh, but they're steady. Uh, we had this discussion prior to going live about uh, he's he's really a, a home media guy. Where uh, if I could get some stats on on what he's worth. On Blu-rays, DVDs, and VOD purchases, that would be really interesting. But um, the highest opening weekend of a Tarantino film—that's got to be worth something, right? Well, I mean, it was his most accessible mainstream thing he has ever made, in my opinion. Easily. Okay. Which is really funny because it also requires you to know like a little bit of history. Because otherwise, some things in this movie are going to come completely out of nowhere. And I definitely saw this movie with people who did not know where it was going. And they kind of oh, lost okay. uh, they, they When the stuff started happening, they started being like, oh, no, what is all this? Like, very verbally, this group of old ladies. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, because at least in Inglorious Bastards with killing Hitler, everybody knows Hitler did yeah. not get blown up in uh, movie theater. I mean... So. And also, there's something satisfying about seeing Hitler's face get shot off. Let's just be honest. You know, who, no matter what you are, what your walk in life, who you are, there's something just viscerally fun about that. Yeah, I'm suddenly thinking of the Love and Robots episode where they kill Hitler in all the different ways. <laughs> yeah, but having said that, um, I'll try. I'll try to skate. I'll try to mm-hmm. skate as much as possible. Maybe we'll hit spoilers. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, we should say that possible spoilers. Because yeah, yeah. A, mm. It's it's, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because it's technically based on a true story. So uh, technically, uh, revisionist history based uh-huh. on a true story. But um, there were moments, and especially towards the third act, where I, I couldn't help but think, why do we even have Sharon Tate in this movie? What? Why would this matter? Well, even though she plays a big part 
in said finale that we don't want to spoil. Uh, I don't really think it was as important because the heart and soul of this movie is really a bromance. Yeah, if you're, if, I mean, big, big time between those two. And uh, also, you know, I guess Tarantino putting himself into the shoes of the DiCaprio character and the fact that he's got the early midlife career crisis going down and he's kind of trying to ask himself, what do I do next? You know, where is my place in Hollywood in the midst of this transitioning, you know, taste and, you mm-hmm. know, likability, viability. So, yeah, and I I don't know. It spoke to me significantly for, for that sheer fact. And mm-hmm. it's... It's it's honestly I had some some bloodthirsty friends that were very disappointed in it until the finale, and okay. so they were expecting more from that. But really, this is this is the first time for me Tarantino straight up made a comedy. You know, he made a comedy, and yeah. I found a few scenes in particular so entertaining, especially with uh, you know uh, Rick Rick Dalton blah, blah blah. You know, with with him trying so hard to redeem himself, and the two scenes that he had with that young actress, I thought were. Tremendous and maybe some of the most entertaining. Margot Qualley for the nice guys. <laughs> she was terrific, and where yeah. she gave him that compliment, uh, I, that might have been my favorite scene in the entire film. <laughs> no, the two of them were just adorable, absolutely. Uh, and I love that Margot Qualley is just typecast as girl from 1960s LA. Like, I hope that's her entire career. <laughs> you need to refer to me by my character name. You know, she was of the new school Hollywood. Oh, that movie. little girl. That yeah, little that girl. girl, yes. That's okay. the one that I was talking about. The, I apologize. Yeah, she was yeah. adorable, too. Yeah, that's where I was scratching my head for a second. But, no, yeah, I, I both of his bad. scenes with her, man, I thought were where he's sitting reading the paperback, and she's, like, kind of feeling him out, and he has his weepy moment. And then their scene together on the Western show, I thought were the, both of those were just awesome. So, no, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't now to talk about the right scene. <laughs> uh, I, I I do agree that little girl I thought was just gonna be a throwaway thing, but that scene kept going and I kept loving it and I didn't want it to stop. Oh I, yeah, Leo's got good chemistry with kids, man. Good for him. <laughs> oh. Okay, I didn't mean it like that. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's just like just the dynamic that was at play there. Someone starting off their career or someone like thought theirs was waning. It's just something about it just clicked in so many yeah. ways. Yeah. yeah so, have we have we seen DiCaprio played? Playing a flawed character like that? But I mean, you know, you could think of obviously uh Wolf of Wall Street, very flawed character. Um, you know, mm. quite quite a few others. Even the aviator, I mean, that that billionaire man was not without his many flaws and womanizing and all these different things. Yeah, but, but a lot yeah. of that was mental stuff. That that was yeah. that was stuff that he was suffering with uh uh, emotionally, mentally. Um, I would say uh, yeah. this is maybe his most vulnerable yes. portrayal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Borderline that's a really pathetic. Good word for it. Yeah. Borderline. Like, I don't. I don't want to call it. You well, know. he he's in. De- I mean, I don't want to say he's in decline, but his character is in decline. You know, he's he over the hill. So, <laughs> so that's what his story is about. Him trying to deal with the second half of his life once he's once he's had his peak and he feels like he's coming down. How do you handle that? And I don't think Leo's played a character like that. And I wonder if it's like a little self-reflective of him. Like, I've got my Oscar now. Oh, God, I peaked. What if I never win this again? What if I'm never as good as that again? Like, and he's trying to, you know, rediscover himself. And because this is this his first movie since uh, what's we Yeah. Has he done something since then? I would have to double check. I can't hmm. say. I don't I, know. I don't I, think it's been a while. If it yeah, yeah, I remember that, it was like that four was like years three, ago. four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like 2015, so it was definitely four years ago. Uh, hmm. Maybe I just talked my way into a thing about this movie and why Leo did it without even realizing it. Hey, hmm. woo! 
Oh, we're going to see DiCaprio again in, in September. What's in September? Isn't he in The Irishman as well? With 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 Ooh. everybody and their mother? Scorsese? Yeah. Pesci. Uh, oh. Pesci, Pacino, De Niro. Yeah. Oh, Joe, oh, my God. Al Pacino in this movie has, like, two little scenes. Yeah. Like, he, maybe he was just being Al Pacino, but there was just some fun energy to it as he was being Al Pacino. I loved it. There's I saw some... CP tweeting about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. There's, uh, I'll I'll say exactly what what you're referring to. There's something to be said about Tarantino where he had he had access to both Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and made films where they weren't really the deal. They weren't the thing that that you focused on. They weren't the thing that you came to see. And I mean Al Pacino in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, if you take a pee break, you might miss them. Yeah, and honestly, that's the case with most of the like little guest spots in this film. It's really mm-hmm. only a scene or two with this big illustrious cast. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's Russell, whether it's Emil Hirsch, whether it's—I mean, the list goes on and on. Very few of them got it. It, it is really Brad Pitt and Leo's movie at the end of the day, and the two of them are the main main focus. Everybody else right. is just kind of bit players to a degree. So, did you see uh, Maya Hawk in there, by the way? Oh, at the very end. I forgot the knife in the car. (laughs) (laughs) There's just something about the way that she said that line. I'm like, wait, Robin? And it was was definitely her from Stranger Things. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Progeny of Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Good genes there, man. Got to say. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Smith's daughter's in there, too, somewhere. So this is definitely a one line. (laughs) Did she actually have a line? I missed the line. I think she had, like, one. Well, yeah, it's easy to miss. I think it was one single line. Or when you're like sprinkling people in there like that, that's the way to do it. Like Bruce Dern, another blink and you'll miss him. Well, they had the mamas and the papas in there. You had uh, Steve McQueen. You had, to, yeah. I mean, and yet a lot of those cameos were like blink and you'll miss him, like CP said. So, or take yeah. A <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there were there was that scene. What was it? The Great Escape, where yeah. they where they where... put DiCaprio into that movie. Yeah, it was that almost like awesome. a Forrest Gump kind of thing where they just mm. put them into that iconic scene and stuff. And yeah. it, it, There's a lot of stuff that happens in this film that feels very un-Tarantino. And Tarantino <laughs> is is infamously, like, if, if there ever was a director that's a cover band, it's, and I, <laughs> I, and I, don't, I don't mean that as an insult. The guy no, takes pieces from, from, like, he's inspired and he replicates and emulates stuff and and he you know he makes this this beautiful salad that ends up being a tarantino movie but um once upon a time in hollywood it felt to me more like a edgar wright type film with a lot Hmm. of the the quick edits and and the, the the tone it was it was quite humorous uh when when they tell a story about um brad pitt's history Oh yeah, which was a very funny scene—the way they framed up the shot. Yes, <laughs> yes. That was one thing about that. I, I do wish that there was like a little bit of resolution to that. Mm-hmm. But, oh crap! That's a spoiler right there. I guess by saying that. But uh, well, uh, that, that. Uh, it was an interesting take, <laughs> like a background to have. And uh, I did see an article online talking about how uh, Tarantino uses abusive women as a punchline and. Uh, I guess maybe that's the scene that they were talking about because like that's the one time where because there are a lot of you know you know people getting punched and beat up and stuff in the movie that's for Mm -hmm. sure Uh, 
but it was never like malicious or anything like that. I felt like, and that was like the one time where like I could almost, but I, I don't know. It, it was an interesting subplot that fits into this story and the larger thing very oddly. Um, in oh, in some ways, it was the most un-Tarantino Tarantino movie, and that's mm-hmm, why I was yeah. like, it was so, it is so mainstream and so accessible and really tame as far as language, sex, like everything. It was just. Yeah. I don't know. With with the exception of a few particular scenes, this could have maybe even been PG thirteen, which I know Tarantino would never make a no. make a PG thirteen film. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, aside yeah. from his foot fetish, which is still in very prime display in this movie. <laughs> hmm. Um. So uh, one thing I find really interesting about this movie is, uh, it, it, it's like it's showing this. Like like the magic of movies in a lot of ways, and like the mm-hmm. impact that it has, like both the creation of it and on the audience, and like you have the moment with a little girl from the trailer, it's like that's the best acting I've ever seen, and yeah. there's also a scene of just like seeing like 35 millimeter film just being loaded up into a camera, like shot almost pornographically to like to, mm-hmm. to show like the love of this thing that he's doing, and like it's talking about the history of things, and uh, and like you know the whole like how the spaghetti western thing came about as westerns were dying in America and they were coming bigger over there. But then, you know, there's that ending, there's that, you know, that real life story that rears its head. So it's almost like movies are as magical thing in an escape and from like the ugliness of real life, maybe like, like it's movies and like entertainment that can like, I, I, I don't know. It, it was an, it, it was just ideas that were shooting around my head as I was watching it. <laughs> the one thing I did want to touch on that you guys mentioned just a moment ago, though, is the yes, fact Dice, that- after this is over, I will, I will be in bed with soup. Sorry. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think Tarantino writes women very well. I really don't. It's not one of his strengths. And I mean, you can even point to The Bride and you know Kill Bill as being <sighs> an example where he did. But even then, it's not very dialogue heavy with her. You know, I don't know. I think that's another reason why some people were like, oh, Margot Robbie. You know, she was she was you know given the short end of the stick in this film. Whatever was she even necessary and crucial? I mean, she's crucial to the finale, obviously. But I just. I, I will contend, as great of a writer as Tarantino is, he doesn't write women very well. Yeah, that's, well, that's, it, that's... She's in the movie to be, like, part of that love letter aspect. Like, that's why there's the whole scene about her in the theater watching her own movie and reacting as, like, everyone is loving her. But she's, you know, it's, like, just a moment for herself and all this. And it's it's just a really a, cute scene, you know? So cute. Oh, my God. Which, which by the way, I own Valley of the Dolls and have not watched it and did not oh, realize really? she was in it. And I was like, no, well. There's no, one I, reason to watch. <laughs> I'm going to go watch The Wrecking Crew at some point here, just out of yeah. sheer curiosity. Now. So, mm. so the, there were these, these slight, slight, um, I, I don't know, ar- arguments, complaints, what have you, about the the statement that this movie made about Hollywood in, in the day and age, and it's a little tone deaf for somebody who used to work for... Um, um, the Weinstein Company, quite a bit. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Is there anything to it? Uh, are people reading into things perhaps too much? Okay, uh, I mean, it's a very sensitive <laughs> age right yeah. now. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I don't think there's really anything too bad at how you know the the women are portrayed in this movie like i I guess you could say there's an over sexualization of it but i I mean that was kind of the era and the way people dressed and acted and there was kind of a hypersexual nature of the era Uh, and we got we got three feet shots 
by the yeah. way. Oh, yeah, yeah, we Taran did. Yeah. Ta- if Tarantino was filling his quota, I, I yeah. don't know. Uh, he's I mean, still, he still wishes he was licking Salma Hayek's feet or whatever. Oh, and, uh, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that that shot of Margot Qualley in the car with him, like up on the dashboard, it's like, oh come yeah. on, man. The way it was yeah. framed was hilarious yeah. to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason she would be doing that is if Brad Pitt's character has a foot fetish and she doesn't know if he does or not. So why is she doing that? Like, I ain't yeah. going to jail yeah. for no poon time. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that scene. <laughs> there's just some, there's just some things that just, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Awkward side. It, dra- it drags a little. Like it's definitely you do feel the fact that it's a two and a half hour uh, long movie. I definitely had to get up and have an emergency run to the bathroom right before the third act started. I got in time just to, to see Brad Pitt like going, woo, 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 and and then the fun started. Uh, um, but you know, like that's also kind of Tarantino these days. He lost it. Uh, someone mentioned in the chat he lost his editor for like his first like half of his filmography and. I don't know if he's doing it now or someone else is doing it now, but they definitely seem uh, less uh, tightening as movies doesn't seem to be as high as a priority as it used to be. Yeah, so I have the the worldwide grosses of all of his films. Um, once again, that number, um, when this image was created, it was, it was printed off on the estimates. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is already fourth from the bottom with 41 million. Um, Kill Bill 2 is 152, Hateful Eight is 155, uh, Kill Bill 1 is 181. And if we're to assume that opening weekend is, is a quarter of the gross, you would assume this would probably skip ahead of Hateful Eight at 155 and, and maybe, maybe have some legs to get ahead of Kill Bill Volume 1 at 181. All right. I'm looking. I'm looking. You kind of Sorry, I was trying to get. I, uh, I was trying to get international numbers, and yeah, I wasn't seeing anything. Uh, anyway, I would imagine it's going to make some serious cash. I don't know if it's going to like get close to Django or Inglorious or anything, but right, right. I mean, I think it's definitely going to do good here. I don't think this is going to do very well uh, internationally. So that's what I'm kind of curious about. How does Tarantino generally do internationally? Like, how do the Inglorious Bastards do at the foreign market? Uh, 200. Oh, okay, so it actually it did better than it did here. Okay, so cool. Uh, what yeah. about Django? Wow, Django uh, 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 more than double. Yeah, no, 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 actually, just 100. Sorry, just 100. Django, <laughs> Django, Inglorious, uh, and, and Pulp Fiction are his, his three most successful films. And, right. and you know uh-huh. what? Hateful Eight, unfairly, first of all, that movie was forever long. Secondly, he was a little snooty about the theaters he released it to, so he wasn't getting the proper coverage there. So, you know, eh, whatever that's worth. Well, some space movie came out that kind of messed everything up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, All this he learned his lesson this time. Uh, I think the, the, the power arose or something like that. The, um, the star conquest series, episode eight. Um, okay. I'll, I'll stop now. So, um, for those but of you who are watching and you'd like to listen to us, uh, this is a, a, an audio version of this show is, is on the show business podcast. Uh, if you're working out and you want to hear us BS about movies, if you, if you, I don't know, making, dinner doing dishes whatever you want to hear us talk to you hiking 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hiking. Uh, I hiking. Don't know. I don't know. Whatever. You hiking. Need. Yeah. Masturbating. Uh, just whatever. Okay. Actually, that that is one request I'm going to make, guys. If you're having fun with yourself, please do not listen to us. I I, I know my dulcet tones are quite uh, lovely, but come on, just I don't need that. I'm actually pretty okay with that. <laughs> um, Thanks, so, so yeah. So there's that. And if if you're listening, we do this live on my YouTube channel every Monday night, nine Eastern, on Willie Screedia, W I L I S C R E D I A. So having said that, um, I'm going to give viewers a bit of a warning that we're going to go into spoilers. I'm going to throw a black show business logo up for about three seconds. Uh, we're going to talk about spoilers, and then when it comes back up. You might as well unmute it, and and we'll we'll get back to not spoiling shit. And now, of course, <laughs> I can't find that dumb logo. All right, there it is. So this is your warning. Uh, mute it until you see this screen again. But we are going to discuss spoilers. <laughs> Three, two, one. So anyway, that's, that's who good, saw the fact that Luke was Sharon Tate's father? Like, I didn't see that happening one bit. Wait, who was Sharon Tate's father? Oh, 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 I see. Luke Skywalker. I was, oh, I was uh, doing a joke. I was doing a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was jokes. suddenly just like, whoa, I did, what happened when I was in the bathroom? <laughs> Wait, which cut did you yucks. see? All the yucks. <laughs> No, There's uh, three cuts in theaters right now, actually. Now the Chewbacca, awesome. yeah, yeah, right. And so Sharon Tate lives, uh, Brad Pitt, uh, and and uh, DiCaprio have to deal with, with the the assailant. And uh, Brad Pitt, unfortunately, is a little little a uh, little messed up in the process. <laughs> trip, trip, trip it, trip it, trip it, trip. <laughs> is this real? Are you real? Is this real life? <laughs> yeah. What's funny is that they they established that Brad Pitt's an absolute badass because yes. you're led to believe that he's just annihilating Bruce Lee as well as a car near Bruce I mean, Lee. That was a great scene. Like the throw I, was good. Like when yeah. actually like like blowing you like it was not blowing each other. That's got the connotation. Uh, okay, moving on, moving on, moving on. Moving it is on. a bromance. I mean, come on. It's a three-way bromance with Bruce Lee now. Uh, uh, and I loved how he showed up for like quick little cameos later for like two little scenes showing people how to fight. That was Frank that was and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. I, 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 and I, I don't know. What, um, I it was just fun. Uh, I, I know I shouldn't just be like sitting here going, oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, but I just really liked this movie. Uh, I feel like a drag. Uh, I I feel like uh, I wanted a resolution to Brad Pitt's killing his wife story. Yes. But other than that, I really liked yes. it. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed the fact that early on in the film, you know, you know Rick is conscious of who his up-and-coming neighbors are, and he's like, I am just one pool party invite away, man. And then in, uh -huh. in the end, he gets his wish because of the crazy showdown with the with those goddamn hippies i hate hippie stuff like the both of their hatred for hippie characters cracked me up constantly him and brad pitt alike just uh they're they're, they're just loathing of them <laughs> so so what do you make of the ending with with dicaprio being invited into sharon tate's house to discuss the, the events of the evening do you think that maybe that that helps his career and you know, in this Quentin Tarantino alternate universe, 
his character is is Don Corleone in Godfather. Well, it, or, it becomes or... a like a thought experiment. Like what what kind of movies would we and things would we have gotten if Sharon Tate had lived? Uh, what what kind of world would we be living in if Roman Polanski didn't diddle a thirteen year old girl? Uh, uh, I, just, a movie coming out too. <laughs> I, yeah, but I mean, like he could be mainstream Hollywood, like legendary status level, making hundred million dollar movies these days if that didn't happen. And like you know, I've read things that say like he never got over the death of Sharon Tate. I'm not saying that justifies what he did whatsoever but you know that's going to mess with you psychologically yeah. you do messed up things again not justifying it i'm just saying you know if we lived in that alternate universe who knows and then also just the whole concept of what's going to happen with uh with leonardo dicaprio's character does his career bounce back does he make movies with them it just it, it's it, it's like when you watch the glorious bastards and they kill hitler like okay what kind of world did that lead into it's that's why I love these alternate histories that Tarantino's doing. So, all right, so so the difference I'll give mm-hmm. and Glorious Bastards is my like stone cold favorite right. Tarantino film. Like and it's not close to mind right. you. So the one thing that I really love about uh uh Inglorious Bastards is there's there's four different or maybe three three different people that are that are building towards this 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 just explosion at literally this mm-hmm. explosion at the end all this tension building up and and all these different plans that are being put in place and they're all being you know put together and some fail and and you know it it they have to alter their plans and it and the you know, it it just it boils to a head and and there's such a payoff there in that third act i mean that the cinematography for the the mm-hmm. fire in the in the cinema with, with her face in the smoke. Uh, listen, had Avatar not come out that year, <laughs> we would have we would have had a different best cinematography. But oh, yeah. with with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I never really got that. Oh, okay, we're we're headed somewhere here. Something's about to pop off. Uh, I mean, you, you vaguely get it when Brad Pitt takes the the um, the what's her name, the girl with the feet, uh, uh, to, to the old, yeah, to the old man's house, and yeah. and there's there's something shady going on there, but there's not this like impending doom thing. Like they they're just caring about their lives, or at least Brad Pitt and DiCaprio are. So. Uh, the one thing I, I really love about Tarantino movies, and when he does it well, he pays off tension so well. And I just don't think he does it here. And and that's not a slight. I mean, the guy's a proficient, proficient filmmaker. Objectively, it's an incredibly made movie. It's just, you know, I expect a little bit different from Tarantino. I'm not complaining. I gave it three and a half. And when it comes out on Blu-ray, it'll probably be a four, four and a half. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like I said with like the history lesson. If if you know like who this person is and how her story ends, and you know the year that it ended, there's you know maybe a bit of a tension tension there, even though it starts like you know so far you know before that happens. Uh, hmm. But but I, you know there was also kind of a little element of like 
you know, just going about your life, like the things that happen on a day-to-day basis and like the impact and things that they can have, like Leo's decision kind of on the spot, you know, go, I need to stop drinking. I need to make changes. I need to do this. And like he does it and he he knocks the scene out of the park. And so he sees the benefits of it. And so maybe he does come back on the drinking a bit, you know, obviously he does, Mm. you know, continue to drink. We see him drinking later in the movie, but maybe not as self-destructively. And then like you have just that random, random thing where, uh, yeah, Brad Pitt's character who just sees this girl on the street. Oh, she's cute. Oh, there she is again. She wants a ride. Oh, I can't give her a ride. Oh, there she is again. Sure. I'll give her a ride this time. And that leads to everything that happens at the, at the, uh, the movie farm. And then that connects what happens a lot later on. Just, you know, just dominoes getting knocked mm. over as you do your thing. Mm. Who knows the impact that they have? Maybe yeah. I'm overthinking it. But... Yeah. As far as like tension and release and all that other stuff, I just don't feel like this film, it very deliberately did not try to do that. And for that reason, I, I don't know. I, I was fine with the end result and really enjoyed the hell out of it. And it's really a, it's a redemption tale more so than anything else. And that was really all that I got out of uh, that final scene with him being invited over. I wasn't, you know, overanalyzing uh, and, and not to say that you guys were, but, you know, just like thinking, oh, about, I definitely oh, where, where could all of the respective careers of Tate and all these other people gone? I was just like, no, I, Rick's character had a new lease on life and new opportunities at his disposal. And it just kind of was the, you know, new chapter of his life and career resurgence, you know, just showing, showing that that was kind of waiting in the wings, so to speak. And that's really all that I got out of it. And that's, and I was very fine with that actually. Okay. So that'll do it for the spoilers. The (laughs) image will go back up. Uh, You might as well turn your sound back up. Uh, Mm-hmm. I'm hoping you're looking at your screen, and uh, here it goes. We're back. So anyway, um, uh, the last, the last big, big, big movie mm-hmm. is coming out this week. No competition. And yeah. so uh, to 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 linger a little bit with Tarantino, this appears to be his thing, where he comes out. He he releases these movies where he can't come in first place. Uh, mm-hmm. Hateful Eight was behind Star Wars. Django was behind Hobbit. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, I think Tarantino has more number two <laughs> premieres than anybody else, and I don't think it's it's going to change. I don't think he's going to leapfrog. It's the king of number two. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know if that tenth movie is Star Trek, though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, do you guys know how many movies come out the week after Fast and the Furious, by the way? Three, three big ones, right? Uh, no more. So, so next week we have, or I guess this week. Okay. Yeah, this uh, week. scary stories. The kitchen that I'm really excited about. Um, also getting a wide release. We have Brian Banks and the Art of Racing in the Rain. Whatever those are, that's five. Uh, so called. Is that Kevin pieces. Costner with the dog? Is it? No, oh, Kevin yeah, Costner. It's, no, it's someone it, with the dog. Kevin Costner is the voice of a dog, and. Uh, somehow he he has an experience with this race driver and and I don't know what it is with with these feel good dog movies, but now we got dogs <laughs> helping people race and it. As long as they're not abusing the dogs, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I just it just seems so strange. Why? Well, why? Wait, do was that? it Kevin Costner in another movie with a talking dog where he was the human when there was a talking dog? Or is that Dennis Quaid? Hold on, wait. Dog's journey. I'm doing the same thing. Just give me Homeward Bound, and I'm happy, man. (laughs) Dude, Homeward Bound is a classic. (laughs) 
Um, so uh, fa Fast and the Furious mm. um, presents Shobbs and Hobbs. Hobbs and Shobbs. So uh, I have the numbers up. I, it, was, wait, it was not Kevin Costner in Dog's Journey. I apologize. Oh, I see. Uh, mm. Apology accepted, sir. Thank you. Uh, so you look at these movies, um, the red font is the worldwide gross and the yellow is domestic. Um, and this is universal. So you look at stuff on the right side and you understand that it doesn't matter what these movies do in America. They're making these movies for the rest of the world. Furious 7 made $1.56 billion and 350 million of it was from the U.S., one point yeah. two billion dollars worldwide. The the fate of the Furious one point two three billion. Also and, known as the worst in the franchise. Oh uh, no, you don't like. Uh, I don't. Uh, Tokyo Drift, dude. Tokyo uh, Drift that, is my Killed the franchise, right? Oh, it's so good though. I love Tokyo Drift. Oh, and and, and Fast too. I don't care. I don't care. I love them both. Anyway. Uh, uh, Fast is John Singleton. It is John Singleton. Oh, that's right. Uh, the most it's, colorful it's, John Singleton movie you'll ever see. So much, <laughs> so much neon in that movie. Uh, it's uh, also the Top Gun of the franchise, so you've got to respect that. Ah, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, some pseudo homosexual romance. Activity. It's just yeah. romance. It's more romance. That's sure. all Hollywood is these days. Is they're just friends. Well, the one thing that I contended in our little Facebook uh, group chat that myself and CP and Lindsay have is the fact that I wonder when I look at the slight difference in the box office numbers between 7 and 8, if the franchise has peaked in its popularity, and now, especially with a spinoff having to come, and I, I hear that Vin Diesel doesn't get along with so-and-so, and just all the behind-the-scenes things that everybody is, you know, has reported. Has the franchise peaked? How is this going to... I mean, The Rock is bankable, and Statham is terrific in pretty much everything and always entertaining to me. Spy possibly being the most entertaining thing that I've ever seen him in, because he's so funny in that. But I don't know. Do you guys think that the, the series has reached its its height, and now it's just going to kind of cruise uh -huh, sort of thing? <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, I think the franchise actually peaked with five, I think it was. <laughs> Or as far as like like financial viability, I guess is more what I'm inquiring. Can you can can you turn your Lindsay turn your volume down on your mic a tiny bit? It seems like you're peaking. Am I? Okay. Yeah. This guy actually doesn't have a sound up control on, and let me see what I can. Well, you just pushed it further away, so you know, don't get so excited. Just you know, just talk. We're, we're just talking about movies here. Don't worry. Just talking about movies. Uh, I, I, mean, you know, I, I never actually saw Fast Six. Fast Seven is fun. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. Uh, wait, but... which is wait, wait, which is the one where they jump off of one car onto another, where there's a tank <laughs> chasing them? I thought I that was like six. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like one through four was was neat. The four. The opening of four, like that's the one where the where the big oil rig is stuck and it's like rolling down a hill and they have to avoid it, right? Like that was that was meat tension. That's a mm -hmm. that's a that's a situation you could probably imagine them being in. Mm -hmm. But then the 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 driving out of buildings and and jumping from moving cars to 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 you know helicoptering your cars down to a mountain. And, I mean, oh, I get uh, I get it. 
Sandra AJ. says something interesting. She says the series died with Paul Walker. Yeah, that's Ooh. true. Yeah. Ooh, uh, that's fair. I, yeah, you definitely did lose something with him. Uh, he had, it was like he's the one character that had been in. Oh, was he in three? Actually, was he in three? No. I don't think he was in three. Three was. I've, I've never actually seen yeah. three sober. I'm always really drunk when I watch it. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Uh, but uh, yeah, he yeah, wasn't okay. in three, but was he in four? I, I feel oh, like he's totally in four. I'm pretty yeah, sure. he's definitely in four. Yeah. So so Vin Diesel's not in one, and Paul Walker's not in one. Yeah, I think Vin was not in two or three, and four was where they paired them back together, right. and that, that was where the series kind of found its footing again. Oh, no, Vin, Vin Diesel has a cameo in three, doesn't he? Right? He does. That's right, yeah. Oh, okay. You're right about that. Man, I know way too much about this series. I'm going to <laughs> jump off a cliff. I, I was about to say, I would always <laughs> rather watch, like, Triple X or one of the oh, like, uh, yeah. Riddick movies or something as opposed to the Fast franchise, but that's just me if I want to see something with Vin Diesel, so... Oh, they are. I've heard that. Uh, I'm always down for more Reddick. Let's give it to me. Uh, actually, it'd be fifth. There was uh, there was one in between. Oh, there, the there was... one, right? Yeah, just something. It never got an actual release or anything like that, but it exists. Uh -huh. uh, but in the chat, we have Corey Novak. Uh, did anybody see uh, Joyride with Paul Rocker? I like oh, that. I love, I love yeah. that movie. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty good. That's I, I've watched a really it twice. good time. Yeah, it, 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 it's a good remake, too, because it's, it's, isn't it a remake? I believe so. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty decent remake. Ted um, Levine, the voice from uh, from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, a little more sophisticated than like Wrong Turn and some of the other things you know that came out around the same time. So it's true. Uh, it it didn't quite get as many sequels as Wrong Turn. There's like eight of those, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, Wrong Turn. Wrong Turn one is okay. <laughs> I don't know. If... Movies. I'm surprised that became a franchise. Ah. <laughs> Especially because what's her face jumped ship from Buffy. Uh, Eliza Dushku. Like she wasn't yeah. in any of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, be still my heart, Miss Dushku. Damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the bad yeah. slayer. So, so what, 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 do, what do we say about Fast and the Furious? Is, is... Nothing they have done has ever topped the two cars in Fast Five dragging the ten thousand pounds safe, ten thousand tons safe through uh, Brazil. Fun. That, that was, was amazing. I, I, yeah. And just like that, there's that moment in that movie where the Rock's whole team has been eliminated by the bad guys. And he's just looking around and being like, oh, no, I got all my friends killed. And then he sees one of his friends, like, trapped. And a grenade falls in front of his friend. And he's like, oh, no, my friend's going to die. And then a second grenade lands in front of his friend. And I'm just like, okay, movie, you're amazing. That's completely unnecessary, <laughs> but that's amazing. And then the entire movie from that point on was just incredible. And I, I one of the most fun I've ever had in the theater, just saying, okay, movie, fine, I'll go with you. It was worth it. I loved it. Like yeah. the, It's just like the sheer destruction of that scene is so over the top. It's amazing. I'm telling you, mood, mood really plays into a lot of experiences. There's, there's some stupid stuff that I enjoy that I really have a hard time admitting where it's just like uh, Jupiter sending. Every time somebody <laughs> shits on it, I'm like, I really kind of had a good time with it. John Carter, another one. All these big flops. Lone Lone Ranger. Uh, I really had a good time with Lone Ranger. I don't, I don't know. Disney, you got me. You got me. Yeah. Don't worry about everybody else. I'm the only person on the planet that defends both Independence Day 2 and Pacific Rim 2, but I actually really like both of those movies. Independence oh, Day I 2. I yeah. got some resurgence, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. I enjoyed it. When I don't have to like a big monster Godzilla type thing at the end, I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> How else are you going to end that movie? Yeah. Oh, just beautiful. Giant, giant alien. <laughs> 
with a big gun. <laughs> yeah. so, so what are we what are we thinking for Fast and the Furious this weekend? With with leftovers of Lion King, hundred million. I still really? think Lion King is going to take at least a little bit of its money, you know, but uh, it'll still probably do one thirty, one forty. I'd say, even though it is a spin-off. The fact that it, it, if they had not decided to put Fast and Furious in the title, yeah. you know, because they're like Fast and Furious presents, they did not want to have the the Bumblebee factor with this one. They are very mm. much reminding audiences this is part of that franchise. They're Guys, this is. Remember that thing you love? Here it is. This is a part of it. Yeah. I know some were kind of pissed off, though. Friends of mine that are really into this series, they're like, oh, it's it's too over the top at this point with Indra Elba's character having, like, superpowers and whatnot. Some some people have an issue with that, but it's like, when so check your brain in with everything else practically. Why should that matter? You were okay with the sub chasing cars on ice, though. Okay. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, personally, I love that. Because I know I've said that a lot. This episode. I'm being very positive. This episode, good for me. I'm not hating on things, but I, 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 I okay. But to, just to change the pace of my wording, I adore the fact that it's just become a superhero movie where they're fighting a big robot and they might be going into space soon. Like, sure, have the Fast and the Furious become the X Men movies that the X Men movies never really got to become. Like, let's let's just do it. Uh, inter- interesting question from the YouTube chat. Corey Novak says, "Do you all think Idris Elba brings a lot of ass in the seats?" And he he is a bankable name at this point. Do you, oh, do yeah. you think? Do you think with all this pre-bond buzz, he might he might be bankable on, on top of the fact the, that dude, if it couldn't with a Stephen King property, I would say no. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That Dark Tower looked terrible. It was. It, it's. I'm still more angry about that film than a lot of things that I can get into. So. <laughs> Being King's magnum opus and everything, there's still potential for redemption on Amazon with doing something a little more faithful. But uh, I still feel like he's a little more niche, personally. Yes. You know. Mm. I, I need discussion. to read those books already, the the Dark Tower ones. I've been meaning to for a minute, and just the the, the movie was just absolutely atrocious. But it did get me curious about what it could be. Uh, but yes, Idris Elba is very bankable. Yeah, yeah. I so. really, I, okay. I I agree. Uh, I mean, not like The Rock isn't. Yeah. I would I would say The Rock is more bankable than Jason Statham. I don't think Jason, oh, yeah. Jason Statham can carry a movie the way. You know, this ain't 2002. I, I don't. I don't think, and even back then, I don't think he was able to, to hold a franchise. I well, mean, the, transporter, the, the, the cranks crank, and transporters. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not a big deal. They're, oh, they're can you fun. imagine a world where the transporter made a hundred million dollars? Like, <laughs> yeah, it might have worldwide. It might have scraped around there, but well, but, and yet people even say The Rock isn't like. He, he's not flawless as far as his bankability because oh, look yeah. at how Skyscraper flopped, yeah. you know? So he has, to be, did not in, do he has to be in the right property, I think. So. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, it always comes down to material. Like, it doesn't really matter how good of a director or an actor. I mean, that's not true. Like, things can ascend, quali- uh, like, you know, base level quality, but uh, material is a very important factor. Like, uh, like Idris Elba in uh, the Dark Tower, for example. So well, I, and, and for the rock, it's it's just the difference, I guess, between whether it's a skyscraper or a San Andreas versus you know yeah. like a Jumanji or you know Fast and Furious or something. So. 
San Andreas. Man, I forgot about that movie. That movie's terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw yeah. that in theaters with Cecil. He was adamant about reviewing it with me, and I was just like, I don't think I have much interest at all in this. <laughs> yeah, I remember when when the trailers for 2012 came out, and I was like, this, you know, five years ago, this movie should be a huge deal, but I think, I think we're okay with all this stuff now. And sure enough, there were like three other movies just like it right after that, including... Yeah. Uh, San Andreas. So, uh, guys, get 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 a little fresh with your ideas. <laughs> oh, fresh ideas? Put them. Uh, Hollywood says no to those. Speaking we of fresh three ideas, death stars in the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> so, speaking of of uh, fresh ideas, cats is being made into <laughs> a motion picture. <laughs> what the hell, man? Have you guys seen the trailer? And I know. Uh, Fuego, you said you've seen a mul- multiple versions of it. Yeah, the one that everybody needs to watch is where they take the I Got Five on It remix from us and they put it over the trailer. It's it's a sight to behold, just to put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It, it really is. <laughs> Lindsay, what are your, th- your thoughts on Cass? What is Tom Hope, Hopper, Hooper, whatever his name is, smoking, and where can I get some? This man has so many Oscar nominations under his belt, and he's making Cats? Yeah. Cats? It, it, like, it, it, like, look, you know, love it or hate it with the, his version of, oh, sorry, with his version of Les Mis, but, like, that whole live singing, not cutting, just having the camera on people the entire time they're singing, that movie has aged horribly. I've watched that movie twice, both times with the people that claim to love it, and both times I am the only person who did not fall asleep. Mm. People that yeah. love that fall asleep during it, but people that hate that movie stay awake. I don't know I what that hate, means, but it's something. I hate musicals. I hate yeah. them. But Aww. something like, like Moulin Rouge, I really enjoy. Um, I don't know if you count uh, Across the Universe as a musical, but I, I quite enjoy that. I La love La Across Land, the Universe. I'm all right <laughs> with that. But for some reason, like singing takes me out of it. Like, oh, now you're going to sing about the thing that you're about to do? Mm. I, but, I agree. That's the right type of musical for me to suspend my disbelief and get into that. But it can happen. Like I, my favorite part of Enchanted was the scene where the guy's like, "Oh, you know the words of this song too? Uh, oh, yeah. well, everyone knows yeah. the words." <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, they, if they're neat about it, if they do something cute. Uh, yeah, and um, it was amusingly meta with with yeah. that, that one. So, yeah. love that movie. I'm just gonna keep yeah, saying it. I same. love everything. Oh, it's it's it, it's a hilarious film. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, uh, it's boy, I'm trying to think of the musical that always resonates with me. Probably um, Phantom of the Paradise, actually. Is one oh that's I, I've heard I, that movie like seven times already this year. I, I think I need to see it. Love that movie. I didn't even discover it until about a year or so ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as far as just a weird melding of uh, Phantom of the Opera with horror and it's it's and just comedy and weirdness. It's it's a very strange Brian De Palma film, but one that I really contend <laughs> people need to see. So De Palma, pre, strange. Pre, pre Carey De Palma, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mother Mayhem in the Chicago, in Mother Mayhem Chicago. Mother Mayhem in the chat throwing out, but Chicago. I do like Chicago. Yeah, I, I actually do too. Yeah, yeah uh, it's just there's just something about the the energy of that movie. I really dig it. It's just really fun. Well, one thing that I will say at least about uh, about musicals in general is that this one does have some solid songs but just the whole tr- the, I mean the the strange way that they're they're mocapping dancers and then just plastering the faces of all of these iconic people onto them that's where the weirdness yeah. is. oh my god and where, I mean, s- 
since when does James Corden get first billing? That's a very I'm good point. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a lot of people in that movie. How did that happen? Yeah, he dude, drives you... around singing in his vehicle, and yeah. so he gets <laughs> Judy right. Dench, Idris Elba, the, the the singing lady, all the Ian McKellen, like Ian McKellen, like yeah. Taylor Swift, I think, yeah. is in it. Yeah, yeah Swifty's in there somewhere. Right? Jennifer <laughs> Hudson, like like oh okay, so so James Corden first, uh, Rebel Wilson. I wonder if he demanded it, or if everyone else is like, "No, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want first, I, I don't want first billing on this." Like, you can cut my pay, I don't want first billing on this movie. And James Corden was like, "I'll take it." <laughs> yeah, I could plug yeah. it on my driving and singing show. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. or maybe that is it. He does do a lot of musical stuff, but he's also that's a lot the of only correlation I can think of. <laughs> like Peter Rabbit, I still can't. Get over that. Like, so, as I checked uh, last night this morning, the likes to dislikes ratio was 32,000 to 107,000 dislikes. Oh, wow. Not quite Ghostbusters, but that's harsh. Do you think they're going to make adjustments? Because Sonic, they went ahead and said, all right, back to square one. Uh, I don't think they can. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different here. <laughs> it's an entirely CGI movie, or mostly CGI movie. <laughs> or, 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 what's the percentage? Because like the characters are CGI, right? Mm-hmm. It was so, just the framing of some of those scenes, man. Like the sitting yeah. at the dinner table, and just I, just I don't think that that's the kind of stuff that to, I mean the, the cost alone. That, it would, have, it would it would have to be a top down rework in order to get the nightmare feel out of this. And <laughs> who knows? Maybe the movie's fun. Maybe the maybe the songs are amazing. Maybe once you're actually watching the movie, it comes to life. But as it is, I think this is one of the worst ideas anyone has had in a while in Hollywood. And yet, I saw some critics. They were like, "This looks bonkers," and yeah. I can't wait to watch it. And I was like, "Well, hey, to mm. each their own." I suppose. Oh, you know, so. I, I'm the same way, but the same way that I couldn't wait to see uh, the Darkest Minds last year. Like, <laughs> it, it, it fills that kind of niche for me. Just like this is going to be terrible. I cannot wait. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Um, so, Zombieland Two yeah. had a trailer released this last week too, and that I think that was another show business special. I think that one came out Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, thoughts on on that, gentlemen? If if you've seen it, I, I um, I'm gonna just because. Uh, I have friends, and I uh, my dad helps people out. With Are you gonna name drop? No, no, uh, I'm not, I just, I, I know people that have been auditioning for this movie for <laughs> years. And, like, there was a TV show for a long time. I know multiple people that went in and read for this when they were trying to get a pilot off the ground for it. And then oh, there was, like, Amazon, version, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then there was, like, a version without Woody, I think, and then there was a version with Woody. Like, this movie has been in production hell, and they've been trying to get off the ground, but it looks pretty good. I'm super down. <laughs> I just love these characters, and yeah. even though the trailer didn't particularly wow me, just to see all four of them back together, and mm. honestly, all looking like they have not aged at all, and Abigail Breslin still mm. looks like a little kid to me, even if she is like in her early 20s now, or whatever the hell it is, mm. you know. Uh, and, and the family dynamic is funny, and the very end of the trailer might be the most amusing bit, where Luke Wilson and Middleditch show up, and they have <laughs> the same dynamic going on as yeah. as They look similar, and, uh, yeah. Same curly hair on Middle Ditch and uh, Eisenberg. I, that scene was probably the best of the trailer. Yeah, that, that movie's so. ten years old. Like I, I can't believe yeah. what, what what the hell happened to time? What's going on here? Yeah, what is life, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, slow down. 
Slow down. Didn't Iron Man just come out yesterday? How are we already on uh, Avengers Endgame? Oh, man. I, I honestly have to say the other trailer that I was very amused by this past week, did you guys watch The Fanatic? John John Travolta as this obsessive fan. Oh, I might have seen movies directed by Fred Durst of all people, and he like Travolta's wearing this wacky looking wig and big nerd glasses and stuff, and he's he basically starts stalking Devin Sawa, who is this presumed you know famous actor of some sort. Final destination. A very very little giants for the win. I love that. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was a trailer this week that I was just like, this actually, despite the whole, you know, uh, break stuff, you know, nookie, whatever this, I was, I really thought the trailer was good. This Fred Durst has directed good. films previously. Alpha uh, Dog, right? I want to say. Oh, that's right. Was it Alpha yeah. Dog? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I think you're not, right. He's not, you know, he's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, you know what I keep seeing trailers for that looks amazing? Fun. Uh, till death do us part, or no, or hide and seek, or ready or ready or not. That's what it is. Ready or not. Was is that a, where like, the people get married and they're in a house, and everyone's okay. trying to hunt them down? Yeah, Samara yeah. Weaving, be still my heart. She is way more interesting than Margot Robbie, at least in my estimation. So, Ooh, yeah, shots fired, sir. Big time. Well, she's also a uh, blonde Australian, so it's like oh. they're like interchangeable almost. But I mean, the the what the the babysitter and mayhem, and she's she's played these like goofy, likable, but super super pretty characters. Uh, I don't know. So the, interesting. The tone is very. Yeah. Very sarcastic and and sharp and reminds me a lot of of Game Night. And if yeah. you haven't mm. seen Game Night, that's a good time. It's a good action movie, and you're having laughs. It's a little bit of everything. It feels a bit like Game Night meets uh, Cabin in the Woods in the way that they have yes. to like, kill this person yeah. for some yeah. like ancient thing or something or whatever. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. it's it's also got some very bad things kind of vibes. I mean, I don't know. I I love those oh, yeah. itch black dark comedies, man. That are just really violent and yet mm-hmm. keeping it kind of lighthearted with the excessive violence like if you watch the red band trailer for that you're just yeah. like holy hell okay yeah <laughs> people die awesome. in brutal ways in that trailer i very love much so i i love peter Berg's very bad things that's one of my favorite dark comedies ever man that movie is messed up the cast is tremendous it's it's really great hmm uh, Any other no, tra- it, oh. um, it trailer it chapter two two hours and forty five minutes long. Someone threw that in the chat forever ago. Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't clock it till now. Well, and uh, even beyond that, Barbara uh, Muschetti is saying they have a director's cut that's going to incorporate all these other scenes into it, and they'll have like the super three plus hour. Hey, it's a book that's over a thousand pages. It's a paperweight for God's sake. You know, <laughs> so I I just. Uh, I'm I'm stoked for that film. That's the next big release. I, I I guess there's nothing really super huge after Hobbs and Shaw until that movie comes out, and it's all by its lonesome in September. It's gonna crush there once again. So, yeah. Joker. When does Joker come out? October. Uh, uh, yes, I believe it's October. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting uh, fall season, and then there's that that yeah, winter. Yeah, Joker's the 4th of October, but the interesting Joker news we got this past week is that uh, it's going to be making the rounds at a lot of those big prominent festivals like Venice, and mm. I, I'm trying to remember if it's TIFF or it's, 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 it's at least another prominent one, and uh, you know, Todd Phillips is very adamant about the fact that this is not based on any source material, it's going to piss some people off, but it's its own Worlds thing, and you know, we're just going to leave it at that, and if it's successful, that opens up the door for so many other big just 
doing their own thing, R-rated bits from DC that excites me greatly. So, mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, so and there was a a, a I don't know 18th trailer released for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah. Which which recently came out, which I didn't have time to prep for, but I did end up seeing it. I don't know, Lindsay, if you saw it. I know, Fuego, you saw it because you reacted yeah. to it on the horror show. Yeah, exactly. give us the breakdown, sir. Honestly, I, I think the director is very talented. I mentioned Autopsy of Jane Doe on this previously, mm-hmm. and then the project he has after this one is Adapting the Long Walk, which is uh, Stephen King writing as Richard Bachman. Kind of, I, I, I know I talked about it at least a week or two, Lindsay, where I was mentioning it's got kind of Hunger Games slash. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, boy, the Japanese film, which is. Battle Royale. Yeah. Battle Royale. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's eluding me. So, similar vibe to that. But the guy is, you know, talented in that regard. And I thought this trailer, at least in contrast with the other ones, I felt, as I told CP before we went to air, kind of goosebumpy. This did not feel like that. This actually was a very well conceived and edited and, like, dark and dare I say, scary trailer, you know, it, it mm. felt on caliber with some of the quality PG-13 horror that Blumhouse has done, and it's obviously the audience that they're going for with this, and, you know, Guillermo producing and co-writing the script, and, you know, I don't know, I think it's going to do well, it's not going to make, like, boatloads of money or anything, but it, it could do a solid 20 to 30 mil debut. Hmm. Hmm. So. That's fair. Yeah. I don't think it's going to make, like, buku bucks or anything, but... But yeah, trailer looked good. I thought that was another one this past week that uh, you know caught some attention. So uh, Corey Novak is bringing up Kevin Smith uh, in the chat. Uh, the, the Kevin Smith film is not getting a a wide release. It's getting that a roadshow treatment. Yeah, that roadshow treatment. So yeah, Cecil and I have ones. tickets for it already. We're stoked. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's not going to... You're going to have to go out of your way to find it and make sure you, you get tickets early because it's going to be one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, I guess we'll open it up to the chat if guys have anything you want to ask about in the most recent week's news. Uh, you know, in t- back to Tarantino, the one thing that I wanted to mention, <laughs> guys, is that he has been teasing once again Kill Bill 3. And oh, yeah, yeah. grown up girl would be age appropriate and you know, so on and you know, if that would be his tenth film or if he is gonna do the Star Trek movie or I don't know. I think that I while I enjoy Kill Bill the the second half of it, you know, for being so grounded and more personal and whatnot, Kill Bill Volume One is easily in my top top five Tarantino. Just the the music and the ultra violence and I mean it's an awesome film. I I, I would love to see a continuation of that character. So, mm-hmm. no, I, uh, if he chooses that to be his 10th movie, that would be very poetic. I would be kind of down for that. Uh, also, at the same time, I kind of hope that uh, Star Trek doesn't count. He's just doing that just for fun. He'll <laughs> uh, probably end up producing yeah. it. He, he probably he's, won't direct it. I don't he's think. He's not only doing 10. That's, I, know, I know. That's that's bullshit. There's no <laughs> way he's, he's that's his thing. There's no I, way. I, 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 I hope so as well. Uh, it would just be a real loss, I think. Like, you know, like love him or hate him, he's an interesting voice that uh, has re- resonated very deeply throughout filmmaking, not just with fans, but the impact he's had on other filmmakers. Uh, he's just, it, I think, just uh, it, I don't want to say the world would be weaker without him, 
but it would be a different place. And I don't know if I'm ready for it yet. Yeah. Super, super weak. Super yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for as much as I didn't like uh, Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's I have it ranked 10th. It's in my top quarter of the year. Uh, three and a half stars out of five. I just... Uh, perhaps I put him at a higher regard. His his, his yeah. curve's a little bit higher, uh. um, and there's always stuff from him, him and Scorsese. It feels like oh, and Edgar Wright. Those yeah. those directors feel like they have doggy by bag type stuff where you're picking stuff up the second and third and fourth time where it's just like, yep, no, this is this is way better uh. now. Yeah, love Edgar Wright, man. I mean, Baby Driver mm. especially really just wowed the hell out of me. Somebody give him money. Yes, Somebody please. give him money. And I will always wonder what his Ant Man would have been like. Yeah. Oh, oh the man! I really, really wonder because I honestly did not like Ant Man and the Wasp as like anywhere near as much. And I know there was a lot from his script that made it in there in the original one. So he does have a couple of things in uh, production or filming right now. Uh, Post production, he has something called Shadows. Filming, there's something an untitled Sparks documentary, and then Last Night in Soho. Also, he looks a lot like Kit Harrington. I never noticed that before. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim is also so underrated, man. I love oh, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim so <laughs> he responded to a tweet from me on his Sparks documentary. Sparks is a music group, and he, oh. he 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 put out a tweet about it. And I'm like, hey, are you gonna have any crash zooms uh-huh. in it? And sure enough, he he. He replied and sent me a link to one of their videos that has a crash zoom in it. I was like, <laughs> wow, not only did you read my tweet, but you went out and found, you know, a, a clip with this from the thing that's relevant to what you're doing. And, you know, that was that was really sweet. Uh, that that's really fun. awesome. That's you awesome. obviously my... struck a nerve, man. Good yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> You know, one one bit of information that I did read earlier today was that um, the Call Me By Your Name and Suspiria director is now being tapped to remake Lord of the Flies. Do you guys have any interest in him being behind that particular... I mean, the book is fantastic. The the older film, solid in its own right, but there was uh, the longest chatter in the industry that they were going to do Lord of the Flies, but with girls instead and do the whole gender swap thing. Apparently that's off the table now with, with Luca stepping in, but... It, I don't know. I guess it's been enough time for this story to be retold, and who knows what sort of spin they would put on yeah. it at this point. But yeah, that'd be uh, interesting. I liked uh, it better when it was lost. Meh. I, I never actually saw either of the uh, movie versions of Lord of the Flies. Maybe I should fix that. Yeah. Have you read the book? Uh, I have read the book. I read it for school. Yeah, but like, uh, what, so no, wait, what, wouldn't, like... Uh, uh, YA stuff has kind of died off. Wouldn't yes. you call that yes. something like heavily YA? Like, like. Oh, big time! I think this movie should have come out the years ago when they were initially trying to get it off the ground and rebooted. So I'd, yeah. I mean, too, too little, too late, perhaps at this point. Yeah, all these these Maze Runners, these uh, uh, Shailene Woodley projects—they're they're all just just petering out and. And you know, <laughs> so if that if that's not doing it with with modern novels that 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 are grabbing kids' attention, I don't know if if people are going to be excited about a book that they read for school 
Oh, actually, that's a really, really good point, CP, because what was it like five years ago? They did The Giver and that movie flopped horribly. Uh-huh. Uh, um, Corey Novak, four ninety nine in the super chat. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I appreciate yeah. the Keep Corey this is awesome. Alive. Thank you. Yeah, Corey. he is a buddy of ours from uh, the, well, he's a longtime horror show viewer and happy to see him jumping over here. And we actually met him when we were doing uh, Mad oh, Monster awesome. Charlotte. Yeah. So, Corey, thank you, man. Appreciate the, the support. That's Hell yeah, no, they, dude, 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 thanks for stopping by, sir. We will keep this culture alive, as you yeah. requested. Yeah, yeah, culture. <laughs> <laughs> We're culture! Uh, we are cultured to some degree, I suppose. What was the last thing we were discussing before? Uh, uh, Lord of the Flies. Uh, uh, as far as literature that you're forced to read in high school, whether it's, uh, you know, Tale of Two Cities or Great Expectations or Lord of the Flies, yeah, maybe people aren't as excited to see something that, you know, they were forced to read practically at gunpoint by their teacher that yeah, weekend, but... What was the what was the Ron Howard Moby Dick movie? Uh, what was it called? Oh, oh, Heart of the Sea. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, that that clearly stuck with me. Uh, <laughs> did that, wait, wasn't Thor in that movie? Yes, oh, uh, Thor was in it, and Spider Man was in it. Both of them. Tom Holland was in it. Tom Holland is in it. Pretty sure. What? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, so, Fuego, what do you got coming up? Uh, Tom Holland, Chris Hemsworth, Killing Murphy. Yeah, um, sorry. It's, as what far is as, this uh, cast? Brendan Gleeson. That was yeah. a movie that a lot of people thought was going to crush. It had a December release. It was pre- domestic gross $25 million on a $100 million production budget. Mm-hmm. It was as floppy as flops get. About as floppy as that tale hit in the ocean, man. Mm. So. Whoa, Ben Whipshaw was too. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, talk about a big failure. Gee, ooh, I'm sad now. Okay. I'm 11 sorry, million yes. weekend, and even worldwide, 93 million total. So it did a lot better foreign, 68 on the foreign market, but still, it didn't even in its worldwide make back its production budget. You know, with marketing being about double that, that movie lost a significant amount of money for Warner <laughs> Brothers. So that, has has Ron Howard directed since then? Uh, Star Wars. Uh, well, to kind of, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars is not losing money. I don't care. Star Wars is a what. failure. Kathleen Kennedy killed Star Wars. Rose Tico killed Star Wars. I don't like the Star Wars. I hate this Star movie. You know, I'm going to go a, buy he it. He actually did another flop. He, he did the Inferno movie with Hanks, which was the sequel, oh. the, the third uh, Da Vinci movie. That was $34 million domestic to $75 million production budget. But I, I guess world, worldwide it did 220, so it was a worldwide success. But Americans didn't give a crap. So interesting. I yeah. kind of like that movie for how dumb it was. <laughs> Just good visuals. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to answer CP's question, as far as up, upcoming week, I I might see Tobbs and Shaw. I don't know. It's <laughs> Tobbs and Shaw. Uh, is that what it is? Or no, 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 it's not. I said Tobbs and Shaw. Bubs. <laughs> Slubs. So Honestly, the sure. other movie that I might go and rewatch that it's only limited release this weekend. It's uh, called Them That Follow, and it's a film I saw back at the Phoenix Film Festival. It's about religious fanaticism. It's mm. got uh, quite the cast. I want to double check on it. I'm not sure how big of a release it's actually getting, but it's at least listed on Fandango. 
um, that follow. Uh, it's got Walter Goggins in it. Um, who else? Olivia Coleman, Jim Gaffigan in a traumatic role, and it's about this uh, Appalachian religious cult. And if you've ever seen any of those videos where the preachers would like have these venomous snakes, and they're like, if the Lord, How's that you know, going? if I'm <laughs> mature gentlemen holding up the snakes and they're like if I'm right with God this snake is not gonna you know like go all, all over my face and yeah it's uh, it's it's damn good wow. man and it's about this this daughter of this fanaticist Walter Goggins preacher guy and uh, she's having premarital sex with this kid and he get, and he gets her pregnant and she doesn't want to tell the father and uh, it's it, it's just an interesting character study, especially coming from a religious background like I did, you know, Reformed Baptist, and father is a Bible teacher and everything. It's it's very intriguing, at least as far as like the whole Jim Jones's niche of Whoa. you know just how deep and negative can religion be when it's taken to an extreme. And so that's a movie that I would recommend. I might try to try to revisit that uh, distributor 1091. But uh, aside from that, um, yeah, the reviews of Various things recently, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood up on my Enquago Tainment channel, and also nice. a small indie called Wild Rose, which of all the music oh. movies I've seen this year, like, uh, you know, Blinded by the Light and Yesterday and Rocket Man, this was actually my favorite music movie that I've seen okay. this year. It's about a young troubled woman in Glasgow uh, who wants to move to Nashville and be a country singer. And if you can find it on VOD or some, I don't even know if it's available there just yet, but it's a Jungle. great little UK indie. It's very, very good. So. Lindsay, I think you might have easier access to this, but yeah. Fuego, are are there showings of The Favorite near you? Showings of The Favorite as in the film do that you know, in do you know the, Yeah, do you know the what the film I'm referring? Uh, maybe? Wasn't, that, wasn't The Favorite something that came out last year? It's getting a little bit of buzz and it, it just keeps getting, you know, 50 more screens per per week and uh uh early uh, the early buzz getter of the of the summer season uh, i'm not incredibly familiar i know it's a bit of an indie darling but it, it just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing i think it's got a hundred on rotten tomatoes with with a with a ton of reviews i'm looking it up all, right now i'm like the favorite you said the favorite Oh no, not the favorite. Yeah, because I was uh, gonna say that was the uh, one that Olivia. What's yeah, that was last year. Uh, right? Excuse Holmes, me, yeah. my medications are like really fucking. Oh, do you mean the the farewell? The farewell, yes. Oh, yeah, sorry. I actually I'm, have I'm, a review of that up on. Uh, that I, oh. I saw that back at the festival in April, and it's an A twenty four Aquafina. It's an instant. I actually I talked about this a week or two ago when it was first yeah. hitting in limited. Mm. Very interesting character study as far as how East versus West deals with just uh, terminally ill family members, essentially, mm. and how in China, for instance, where the predominance of the film takes place, uh, the, the grandmother this, of uh, this you know, extended family, she's been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and they, they are refusing to tell her, and uh, they're just leaving her in the dark, especially in the midst of this big reunion that has a mm. wedding, and it's kind of a, a wedding that is disguised as a way for them to all say goodbye to her. And great acting. It, it's funny. It's got some interesting dramatic chops, and you know, it's just very, very cool to see the the, the contrast of just family interaction in that regard. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. The farewell. I, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is literally happening right now. Apparently, there's a review out for Dora the Explorer from the Hollywood <laughs> Reporter that's weirdly horny. Hmm. Like, huh? if, uh, I'm confused and scared. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently it talks about how it's unfortunate that she's not quite old enough. I mean, that's what I'm just reading on Twitter. Just like I got a quick pop-up notification. I'm like, wait, that's interesting. And yeah, a lot of people are. Tw- I don't know. Uh, yeah, I- I'm gonna have to go and read that. So that there's a little bit of news. Weird <laughs> Dora the Explorer review from the Hollywood Reporter. Everyone thought the casting for that was strange, and just the age that they they cast the lead in. So I mean, you, you know what I'm working on. I yeah. could see that movie oh, doing true. everything. I could see it bombing. I could see it doing okay. I could see it just annihilating. But uh, it's a beloved I, property, obviously. Yeah, oh, yeah. I have Trailer no proper gauge. Trailers look bad for that. Mm-hmm. Isn't Danny Trejo doing a voice in it? If I remember. Oh, I hope he is. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Dora the Explorer definitely needed more Danny Trejo. They're going off on Halloween 2020 2021. Laurie Strode needs to go. Uh, I agree. So, so one of the Strode females needs to die, especially if they're doing back to back. Honestly, one of them needed to go in the last one, and uh-huh. that was one of the biggest problems of that film, in my estimation. Didn't feel like the stakes were very high because of the fact that all three of them made it out. Spoilers, sorry, everybody. It's like it's like a year old now, almost. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, it, it's. You know, there's more coming, so you, you figured some people were uh well at least jamie lee was gonna make it because she's no whatever uh lid you got anything coming up i've got a couple of things i'm working on right now i'm reading this uh review though and (laughs) so yeah i'm just first of all live on air do you have anything productive coming up (laughs) uh, i'm still working on stranger things and i actually have an interesting idea for an us video that i'm gonna have to wait and watch us one more time before i start really committing to but i've I've got a couple things in the works here i just want to read the opening little sentence first of all this guy needs to not do so many run-on sentences every paragraph this review is one sentence but so this is the opening sentence of this review Dora's grown up a bit since her seemingly perennial childhood through eight seasons on TV began in 2000 in her briefer two years starting in 2009, but the audience will remain largely hormone-free for her big-screen debut in Dora the Explorer and the Lost City of Gold. Again, that's all one sentence. So first of all, it's just bad English. And why do you have to bring up hormones? And then later on in the review, where is it? Come on, you don't like it when a hormones... I, I can't find that other creepy sentence, but there is some weird stuff going on in that review. It's it's worth, I don't know, interesting. But, so uh, so yeah. can, can I, as somebody who's, what is it, nine, ten episodes this season, Stranger Things? Uh, it was eight. Uh, yeah, it's, it was back to eight after having nine for yeah. the last one. And honestly, I just finished uh, yesterday that Suspicious Minds novel takes place in 1969 it has uh has Eleven's mother in it and the few friends that she has where she goes into this test group i really liked it it's very fascinating seeing brenner first arriving in hawkins and you know Mm. getting the project going he has eight in tow with him and uh yeah i actually really liked it now i'm gonna move on to the to the uh you know what's his face novel about uh you know him being a cop and you know, stuff before he, you know, moved moved back to the small town. And then I know there's also like a, a runaway Max small like YA novel that's not 
<laughs> not quite of the uh, of the more adult variety like the like the other two. But yeah, Suspicious Minds is the title of it, and I actually really dug the hell out of it. If you yeah, like I need to check out that in the comics you told me about for the Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I need to I need more Stranger. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna be the 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 wet blanket because I steamrolled through two just to catch up with three, mm-hmm. and I think I'm episode three or episode four into the third season, and I just I'm just okay. Like I don't know, maybe maybe I just don't care. That's possible. I mean, you're not a bad person, so why would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a piece of garbage, so. Like there's little flies buzzing around you right now, and like cartoonish like stink lines coming off of it. Uh, I mean, I thought that was like special effects and stuff like that. This on-air editing is spotless. It's, it's, it's really improved greatly, even since I've joined. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. You know, I'm I'm in no rush. I've been watching one one episode. Usually, like when I get really jazzed up, I'll watch two or three in a row. But I watch one and then. You know, I'll watch 10 minutes in the next, and I'm like, ah, I don't I don't want to keep going. Let me just wait. Uh, the, the, the sheriff, you know, kicking the kid out for, for making out with Eleven, and I don't know. First of all, Mike is an asshole, and Eleven can do better and should do better and move <laughs> on. Okay? Yeah. Mike I is a ass. dick. I dump your ass. Yeah, <laughs> I, dump yeah, your I dump your ass. Yeah, I've I've seen that. Yeah, the, the mall, <laughs> such a such a great place. The mall. I, I don't know. Like like. It, Let's it, go to the mall. It just feels too much. Like, hey guys, the eighties. Oh, Isn't yeah. this the eighties? Like, holy cow, this is totally the eighties. Look, I'm playing on an arcade. Oh, We're you have no idea how eighties this season's gonna get. Oh, it gets well, worse. It gets even 80s or 80s. Yeah, much more 80s. Yeah, yeah, singing of a certain song. But, I, I mean, as a show that kind of gained its notoriety from borrowing so much from other properties, I felt like this was the one that was the most unoriginal to a degree, especially with the way it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers meets mm-hmm. the Blob after a while. It, it, it felt the least original, and I was definitely there more so for the characters than for the storytelling in the third yeah. season. The so lifeguard thing's got me a little confused. Uh, That's uh, well, I don't know how far. Uh, I I just know he's starting to have a little issue, and it, it wasn't uh, my favorite season. The first season is still my favorite season, but I did like mm, this one. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Fuego, what, what, what you what you got? What you got? What you got? What you got? Yeah, yeah, like I said, man, uh, aside from uh, maybe a little bit more Star Wars coverage uh, this coming week, I'm still going through different Marvel comics and things of that nature. Hobbs and Shaw, maybe maybe I'll get around to a review of it, but uh, my, my review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that being up, and then the, the Wild Rose review, and yeah, aside from that, um, I... I don't know. I can't wait for it. it, it to, there's really, I, I mean, it, it Chapter 2 is really what I'm more excited about than anything else. And I guess it, Dude, we got like a month show. before that's even relevant. I know, I know. <laughs> and it, is kind of, it's, it can't come quickly enough, man. Uh, yeah, and and I'm as far you. as horror show stuff goes, I'm doing the Hail to Stephen King live book of the month thing uh, next Saturday, or this upcoming Saturday, I should specify. And it's all about The Long Walk, which is that uh, it was my book of the month for the Facebook group this past uh this past July, and uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking all spoilersy about that this Saturday at 4 p.m. 
Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And uh, yeah, so I have that to look forward to as well. Do you guys cool. own copies of the 2019 Pet Cemetery? No, yeah. I wouldn't have bought it. I, I mean, I, I like the new, the well, the original ending that, you know, is there in the bonus features. And yeah. I like some of the extended scenes and some of the, the alternate bits that they actually, they, they trimmed out a lot, but I was disappointed that they didn't mm. leave in there. Mm. Especially shedding some light on the stuff with his wife. And I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's not a perfect readaptation, mm-hmm. but I, I have found more merit in it upon a, another couple watches. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, maybe we can do a, a commentary if, if we can get Lindsay to get a copy. That's. Uh, oh, I'd be down for that. That's interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I I have a bunch of. Only like, if we can then do a commentary for Ken. <laughs> <sighs> We're gonna have to get like Peter and Dino involved for that though. For, sure, I'm fine. That's fine. Like a giant. You know, alumni event. Um, so uh, there's like three different things happening at the same time, and I've just gotten sick at the absolute worst time. My, oh, no. cri- my yeah. Criterion video is is sort of almost half done. My my, I did not do any filming for the audition video. There's a Quentin Tarantino ranking video, so. You know, my my plate is full. It's just whether or not I, I I can bring it to the table. That's that's the question. But there's stuff being worked on. I just don't know when, or how, or why. Emily's got a lot of stuff she's doing, so she's kind of hogging some some things. When you see what what she's got coming up next, uh, the girl is is ultra talented. It makes me feel stupid. Just absolutely stupid. Cool. <clears throat> but. Um, so that does it for this Monday, July 29th edition of Show Business. We'll see you in a week um, for Lindsay. We're in the money, oh, I'm on the honey. Let's let it go.